All right, so it has been a while. It has been over a month since I recorded a new podcast episode. So let's see if I still remember how to do this. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries podcast. My name is Shakira and on this podcast we talk about, um, oh my gosh, do I still remember how to do this? Okay, just go for it. Okay, we talk about pop culture, we talk about politics, life lessons, and more. I am a proud HBCU graduate from the illustrious Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University, and I started this podcast about two years ago. Yes, two years ago, and listen, if you have some hard feelings towards me right now, I get it. I get it, okay? I have some hard feelings towards myself right now, but there's been a lot going on in my life, and I will update you all at a later date as to why we went so long without a new podcast episode and just kind of like disappearing off the face of the earth without giving you all any warning. We'll talk about that, but for now, thank you for coming back to a brand new episode we're going to continue this um, series of Blacktober because the Blacktober series was running throughout the month of October. But since I was not able to finish that last episode, this week's episode is going to be the topic that we were going to cover in the last episode of Blacktober. It's one that I did a lot of research on. It's one that I am extremely proud of. And it's one that I feel like you all are going to learn a lot. So without further ado, let's hop into our carefree updates. So if you are new here, you might not be familiar with what Carefree Updates are. And just as a reminder, Carefree Updates is the segment of the podcast that we use to just go through some news that has happened um, to update you all on some things that we have going on. But for right now, we're going to put our things on the back burner because... I feel like I need to wait (laughs) to update you all on what's been going on with me. Um, Some of you all know if you are Patreon members, I posted on the Patreon page um, an update on what's been going on with me, why I've been gone, and what's coming next for me. Um, But if you aren't a Patreon member, just wait on it. It's going to (laughs) come. soon hopefully but anyway we have a few carefree updates the first and most important carefree updates is that we finally got that bum out of the white house well almost kind of almost but not really so november 3rd right that was election day was it november 3rd november 4th i think it was november 3rd um but we stopped recording the podcast before that but we did remind you all to get registered to vote and to actually go vote on November 3rd now we show up in droves um and people I think this was the record number of people that showed up for early voting and voting period because I guess people have just had enough People have had enough of the nonsense. People have had enough of the division. People have had enough of incompetence in the highest position of the United States of America. It's actually been embarrassing 
it has been embarrassing to have um, who we've had. And I don't even want to say his name because it's not worth saying. Um, it's actually been embarrassing to be a citizen of the United States and to have someone who cannot complete a full sentence um, in the highest position. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who went out and voted because you really made a difference. And coming next year, we will have someone else in the White House. Thank you, God. Now, next, that's, I mean, honestly, that's the only carefree update that I really wanted to talk about today because that's the only thing that matters to me right now. But I also want to remind you all to stay safe. And if you can, listen, I know there has been a ton of debate surrounding COVID-19, surrounding coronavirus, and um, I do not agree. I highly disagree with the way our federal government, government period, has handled this pandemic. If you are interested in public health, if you are interested in just knowing the root of the virus and where it came from, there's actually a really great documentary on Hulu right now, and the name of it is Totally Under Control. Me and my family watched it, you know, while I've been home for Thanksgiving. We watched it the other day, and it's it really gives you a timeline of when people knew about it and when we found out about it, right? Because we know we found out about it way after they had been alerted of the situation that was going to come, not if it was going to come, but when it was going to come. So the name of it, again, is Totally Under Control on Hulu. But I did want to remind you all to stay safe. I know that we have to work. I know that we have to go to the grocery store and we have to do all of these different things. But please do your part in keeping others safe. Um, I know that some people don't believe in it. I know that some people think it's a hoax. Um, how you can think that, I don't know. But I have had family members who have personally been infected with the virus, who have personally been on ventilators, who have personally been hospitalized with COVID-19. And let me tell you, it is not a hoax. So please do your part in helping others. Um, if you must travel, you know, out of the country, keep in mind that some of the spots that we are using to vacation um, they might not have the resources or the access to the health care that we have here in the United States. So think about the people that are working there. Get a test before you go there. Um, I would suggest not doing it, like, period. But I know that everyone is different. Um, I'm not going to judge you if you must take a vacation right now. But please do your part while you are going to these vacation spots. Especially, I know I've seen people... Um, there are Hawaii natives that have been warning people not to come to their island because they just don't have the infrastructure to, you know, deal with COVID-19 in the way that we have here on the mainland. So please be responsible and do your part. Now, um, I did want to tell you all about some new movies that are out. I see um, Jingle Jangle is out on Netflix. I've watched it twice so far. It has Felicia Rashad. It has Forrest Whitaker and some new names. Um, it also has Key, if you are familiar with Key and Peele, Jordan Peele. Um, it has Key on there. He's in the movie. I'm not going to tell you what happens in the movie, but if you enjoy musicals, if you enjoy that like warm Christmas spirit, check out Jingle Jangle on Netflix also, um, there is a new show. Okay, so this isn't a black show. Um, it doesn't have a black lead or anything, but there's a new show on HBO. It is The Undoing. I started watching this show last night. It has, 
Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant um, are the stars of the show. I'm about three episodes in, and let me tell you, if you enjoy mystery, if you enjoy that like who done it kind of vibe, I think that you will enjoy the undoing. And if you do, at me on Twitter so we can talk about it because I really enjoy talking about the shows that I'm watching on Twitter. <laughs> so that's all I have for Carefree Updates. I'm going to check out some more movies throughout this week and hopefully in our next episode. Okay, so before we get out of Carefree Updates, let me say this. This episode is being recorded because I am home right now for the holiday, the Thanksgiving holiday. So this week, you're going to get a fresh episode. Next week is going to be an episode that was recorded um, a few months ago, actually. So if you remember the episode Protect Black Women, um, it was with my best friend, Crystal. We recorded two episodes that day, and I've been sitting on one <laughs> And that's going to be the one that I upload for next week. So I'm just saying that to say you're going to get this new episode this week and you're going to get an episode next week. But after that, I don't know what's going to happen. OK, and I will explain further once I get myself settled in what I have going on. I'll explain everything, but just bear with me right now. But the next time I come to you fresh with an episode, I'll give you all some movie recommendations that I've checked out and I feel like you should check out as well. Now, that's all I have for Carefree Updates. Let's have a break for our sponsor and then we'll get into our topic of the day. Now, before we get into the topic, I just want to really reiterate how happy I feel sitting here and recording right now. Um, there is a thrill that I get out of creating new podcast episodes. I just look forward to you all being able to listen to them and hopefully learn something throughout the episode. So I just want to really emphasize that before we got into the nitty gritty of this week's topic. So as you all know, this is going to be the last episode in the Blacktober series. Now again, I know Blacktober is just for the month of October and it is now December, but I've had a lot going on. I'm sorry, but I did want to finish out the series because this particular topic um, I'm extremely passionate about and you might be thinking, girl, there are a lot of things that you are passionate about and true, true enough. But one of those things that I am super passionate about is mass incarceration. I have hated the prison system since I was a kid. I learned very early on that there's nothing fun. There's nothing cool about prison or jail. I learned very early on that it was a place that I didn't ever want to go to. Ever. I never wanted to be behind those walls. I never wanted to do anything that will land me there. Now, I did not learn about jail through TV. I didn't learn about jail or prison through hearing other people talk about it. I learned about it before I even knew what it was called because every other weekend, me, my parents, my cousins, and my aunt we would rent a van. I'm saying we like I could rent it. I was like a kid. But the adults, right, they would rent this van and the real vans, like with the rows of seats, like 
the rolls and then there's like a small little area on the side of the van where you had to crawl through to get to the different rolls. So not minivan style, but like actual van. <laughs> like we would rent that and we would all ride together to go and see one of my cousins who was in prison. Now, I don't know how many years he served in prison exactly. All I knew was that my earliest memories of him were by seeing him in prison, seeing him in the jumpsuit, um, getting cards in the mail from him, you know, on my birthday, random cards and things like that. He was in there so long that when his brother and his mom, so my cousin and my aunt, when they both died, they died a year apart from each other. Um, he couldn't be home to go to the funerals. They let him come home for I think it was my aunt his mom but he couldn't come to the funeral they just let him have like two hours where they brought him to the family house and he had to stand there in his cuffs okay and that was just a surreal it was a surreal experience because here we are a family dealing with the loss of a loved one and then we have someone here who is still you know in cuffs and in the attire of someone who is incarcerated and we're still dealing with all of these like emotions at the same time. But anyway, I'm giving you a little bit of backstory because if I sound jaded during this episode, I want you to know and understand why. It's because I am. <laughs> it's because I am jaded. Um, and I've always had a problem with the prison industrial complex and the whole correctional quotes around correctional system because it just doesn't correct anything. The system isn't built for positive reform. It's not even built for the rehabilitation of people that have been incarcerated. It just isn't. So hear me on this. 76% of people who have been incarcerated end up back in jail within five years. 76% of people who have been incarcerated end up back in jail within five years. And if that doesn't sound insane to you, compare our 76% with the 20 to 30% of Nordic countries. We are not doing something right here. Now, don't get me wrong. Do not get me wrong. I'm not saying this to say that everyone should be out and we should release everyone. No. Some people are a threat to humanity. Some people really are a threat to children. The fact is that everyone is not good. And it took me a long time to realize that, but we will table that discussion for another day. But this episode isn't about those people. There are certain offenses or crimes of people that have been sentenced to years behind bars that just don't sit well with me. Um, and that's who this podcast episode is about. And that, my friends, is why this podcast episode is about the war on drugs, right? So, uh, hmm, how do we ease? How do we ease into a discussion about the war on drugs? Um, the history of it, and we're going to do it like this, okay? So, we're talking about the war on drugs. We're going to talk about the history of it and how it affected black and brown homes, but mostly black homes, um, and how in the world we can be in a place today that allows us to have cannabis shops and dispensaries on almost every corner, while there are people still behind bars serving years 
um, for something that is now legal in many states. So there's a lot to cover here. And we're going to break it down like this, the past. We're going to start with the past. So a rundown of where the war on drugs came from, and we'll bring it into today. And then we will cap it off how we have been doing throughout the rest of the episodes of Blacktober with a few questions to take with you throughout the week to ask yourself, to ask your family, to ask your friends. All right, let's do it. Now, if you are anyone like me, if you're anything like me, when you hear the phrase, quote, the war on drugs, you may automatically see Nixon in your mind. So I automatically, whenever I hear it, I think of President Richard Nixon. And throughout my life, I was always under the impression that Nixon was the one that started the war on drugs. I felt like he was the source of it because that's what I had been taught. And that war on drugs then began to lead to mass incarceration and the prison system as we know it today. But while I was researching this topic, I heard a very unlikely name. And that name was Billie Holiday. And we all know who Billie Holiday is, right? Like famous jazz singer, singer of Strange Fruit. Um, I think it's so easy for us when we, especially black people, I can't speak for everyone, but um, I think it's so easy for us when we talk about our legends and people that broke down barriers and walls um, for us. It's easy. How do I say this? Uh, it's easy for us to forget that they were like real people <laughs> like me and you. They made real mistakes and real things happen to them. They weren't perfect people. So get this one night. Billie Holiday went on stage in a jazz club to perform. And in that club, she sung a song that she had not sung before. It was her first time singing it. And this song is one we all know today. It was entitled Strange Fruit. Now, the song, which I highly recommend you revisit, there is a beautiful um, video on YouTube. If you type in Billie Holiday, Strange Fruit, there is a beautiful vintage um, archival video of her performing that song. But that night, she performed this song, and it was new. And so in the song, she says, Southern trees bear strange fruit. And we all know she wasn't talking about like fruit fruit. She was talking about black bodies. The song was about the lynching going on across the South of black people. Well, this performance started stirring up some noise in one person in particular that was bothered by this black woman using her platform to bring light to injustices against black people was a man named Harry Anslinger. You are probably, it's not even a probably, after I finish this episode, you're going to have a strong disdain for this man, Harry Anslinger, because, listen, so, Harry, he hears about this song, and he's like, nah, nope, mm -mm. we have to get her out of here, so pay attention and stick with me here, because it's kind of a lot to follow, but I'm going to try to make it as clear and concise as I possibly can. So before Harry's beef with Billie Holiday, we have to rewind to see like where Harry even came from. So before Billie sings this song in the jazz club that night, before he hears of her, 
there was a prohibition era in America. Now, prohibition was the ban on alcohol that lasted here in the United States from 1920 to 1933. Now, during prohibition, Harry was the head of a teeny tiny agency, and the name of that agency was the Department of Prohibition. Now, this department's job was to enforce the prohibition of alcohol, which was illegal at this time, a.k.a. prohibited, prohibition, prohibited. Well, after alcohol prohibition went out the window in 1933, Harry, he's like grasping for straws, right? Because he's the head of this agency whose sole duty is to enforce people not drinking, to enforce people not selling alcohol. So if they, you know, if they lift the ban on alcohol, he no longer has a job. So he tries to save his job in this department that he's the head of. So it transforms to the new name, which is the Federal Bureau of Narcotics. Does that sound familiar? Right? It should sound familiar. See, Harry knew, like, I have to find something else to police since I can't do that with alcohol anymore. And so narcotics or drugs became that thing for him to be able to keep his department and ultimately his job. Now, if we fast forward back to Billie Holiday, Harry hears about her singing the song. I don't know who told him. I just felt like Harry had this endless source of information and people coming and telling him what the black people were up to, you know? So he hears about her singing this song and the traction that this song is getting. And he becomes livid. It's like the two things he hated the most in one. So he hated black people and he also hated jazz music. Does that sound crazy? Like, how do you hate jazz music? Like, just as a side note, how much of a grump could you be to hate jazz music? Now, for some time, Harry was trying to get these black jazz musicians locked up. One, because they were black. And two, because he had heard that they were using marijuana and he hated marijuana. Like, of course he does. Of course, of course he hates marijuana. He's the head of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, right? And when I say jazz musicians, the ones that he kept trying to catch, um, I'm talking about Louis Armstrong. I'm talking about Thessalonius Monk. I'm talking about Charlie Parker and others. But he could never really get to them because whenever he would catch one or have them in custody, they wouldn't snitch. So it was pretty hopeless. But with Billy... He sent in an agent. This agent was a black agent named Jimmy Fletcher. So Harry knew that he couldn't just send in a white agent into Harlem to get in good with Billie Holiday um, and it not raise like some concerns or raise a few eyebrows um, of the black people living in that community. So he hired this black agent to do it. Now, mind you, he's the only black agent working in this department, and that's just another discussion for another day. But I think I'm going to do an entire podcast episode on this topic, um, on this situation, um, over on Black History Moments. If you are not subscribed to that podcast, that is my second podcast, and that one is strictly history. So if you love history, if you love hearing about things you've never heard about before, that is the podcast for you. 
because there's just so much that happened within this story and it's so intriguing. But for now, I'll just say that this agent that he sent in to get in good with Billie Holiday, they succeeded. He succeeded. And in 1947, Billie Holiday was sentenced to a year and a day in prison for the possession of narcotics. Now, it's important for you to know um, because I'm pretty certain that Many of us, when we hear about the war on drugs, when we hear that, Billie Holiday isn't someone we think about when we hear that, um, but we absolutely should think about her and how this has been years and years in the making. This isn't new. And to show you how hypocritical Harry Anslinger was within his role, um, here's a quote from Politico on Harry. It says, one day, Harry Anslinger was told that there were also white women just as famous as Billy who had drug problems, but he responded to them rather differently. He called Judy Garland. Judy Garland was the actress from The Wizard of Oz. We all know The Wizard of Oz. She was the main actress. Now, Judy was another heroin addict, and he called her in to see him. They had a friendly chat in which he advised her to take longer vacations between pictures or movies. And he also wrote to her studio assuring them that she did not have a drug problem at all. When he discovered that a Washington Society hostess he knew, quote, a beautiful, gracious lady, he noted, had an illegal drug addiction, he explained he couldn't possibly arrest her because... Quote, it would destroy the unblemished reputation of one of the nation's most honored families, end quote. So he helped her to wean herself off of her addiction slowly without the law becoming involved. So this just goes to show you that this whole war on drugs thing, it was never about drugs. It just wasn't. The war on drugs from the very start was rooted in hatred and racism, point blank, period. Harry was known for hating black people. There were several official memos now, official memos that they have documentation of that were sent throughout the bureau where Harry was using the N-word. And in one quote, he says to the public, the increase in drug addiction is particularly 100% among Negro people. And in this, he stressed that this was terrifying because already, quote, the Negro population accounts for 10% of the total population, but 60% of the addicts, end quote. Now, Harry stood before Congress and said that marijuana drives you insane. It makes you kill people, and then it kills you. And right after he says this in front of Congress, and when I was reading all of this, <laughs> I was like, uh, so when I read things, I see it visually as I'm reading it. And this was just hilarious to me. Okay, so anyway, he's standing in front of Congress, right? And he says, you know, marijuana kills you, it drives you insane, um, and it makes you kill other people. Now, right after he says this, a medical professional comes up right after him and says, this isn't true. It doesn't make you violent. It doesn't make you a rapist, et cetera, et cetera. And so Harry gets up after this medical professional, and he's like, his rebuttal is like, well, it may not, but if you smoke marijuana, it's a gateway drug that will lead you to heroin and cocaine and so forth. And by him saying this, that was enough for Congress to say, oh, well, no, we can't have this drug on the streets. Now, get this. This is also a quote from that political article, and I'm going to link that article in the podcast description, but it says, 
In the run-up to the passing of the Harrison Act in 1914, the law that first criminalized drugs in the United States, the New York Times, the New York Times, man, have we come a long way, right? They ran a story typical of the time. And the headline of this New York Times article was Negro Cocaine Fiends Are the New Southern Menace. And it described a North Carolina police chief who, quote, was informed that a hitherto inoffensive Negro with whom he was well acquainted was running amok in a cocaine frenzy and he attempted to stab a storekeeper. Knowing he must kill this man or be killed, the police chief drew his revolver, placed the muzzle over the Negro's heart and fired, intending to kill him right quick as the police chief tells it, but the shot did not even stagger the man. Wow, what lies? Okay, anyway, cocaine was, it was widely claimed in the press at this time, turning blacks into superhuman hulks who could take bullets to the heart without flinching. It was the official reason. Now, (laughs) y'all... Y'all, I want y'all to hear this, right? So this instance, this, and this is why journalism is so important. This is why journalism is so important. Now, this is an article ran by the New York Times at the time. And they are saying that this instance where this police chief, he claims that he shot a black person in the heart. (sighs) He says that he shoots a black person in the heart and it did not stagger him. He said that the man kept going. And they said that this was the sole reason that police in the South increased the caliber of their guns. Okay, this is the reason that police increased the caliber of their guns. Now, one medical expert put it bluntly. They said, quote, the cocaine N word sure is hard to kill. And so the war on drugs begins. Now, this is way before Nixon steps foot inside the White House, way before. So you may be wondering, you know, how is he responsible for any of this if this is all occurring before he gets there? Well, a few years ago, a quote from Nixon's domestic policy advisor, John L. Richmond, I believe that's how his last name is pronounced. It came to light and it resurfaced. And in 1994, he said, quote, The Nixon campaign in 1968 and the Nixon White House after that had two enemies, the anti-war left and black people. Elrich Mann told journalist Dan Baum in 1994, you understand what I'm saying? We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or blacks. But by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin and then criminalizing both heavily, We could disrupt those communities. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, and break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. End quote. So, sure, Harry Anslinger was kind of this crusader for the war on drugs, right? He's like the first domino to fall in the whole thing, but... He set it up so that there was something to use to criminalize black people and get them off the streets and into the prison system. Now, Nixon, on the other hand, was just kind of like, 
that last domino in the whole thing with the increase in prison populations. And this quote from an article that I will also link in the description says, although black Americans aren't significantly more likely to use or sell drugs, they are more likely to be arrested for them. And when black people are convicted of drug charges, they generally face longer prison sentences for the same crimes, according to a 2012 report from the U.S. Sentencing Commission. So these practices dating all the way back to the 1930s are still having tremendous effects on us today. When you look at the amount of black people that are incarcerated due to drug charges or drug possession throughout the years, um, those who may have smoked or were sentenced to years in prison away from their families and the effects that that has on the family, um, the mental, financial, spiritual, and societal constraints or implications this places on those families and also on the person once they're released, right? Because we all know that, we all know this. I'm going to assume that we know this. The prison system is not set up in a way that helps people who are released, we know this, right? Because if we revisit that statistic from earlier in the episode where 76% of people who have been incarcerated end up back in jail within five years, why? Like, if we ask ourselves why, well, because when you apply for a job, there is a background check, making it hard for people who have been released to get a job. Why else? Well, because when you're released, sometimes society views you as trouble. Why else? Well, if you've spent 10 years with someone telling you when to wake up, when to shower, when to go outside, when to go to sleep, when to eat, how do you adjust to being out and having to make those decisions on your own now? We still fight for people to be able to vote after they've been released. We tell them, okay, you're free now, go on. But then we tell them they don't have any say-so on who leads the country or their communities. And those, you know, those reasons are just the tip of the iceberg. So boom, when I was in 11th grade, I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember it so vividly. I was in American government. Um, it was a class that we all had to take. And one of the boys in my class, he raised his hand and the teacher was like, you know, OK, what's your question? And he said, why isn't weed legal? Now, to anyone else, you may be thinking, you know, that's a wild question to ask a teacher. But that question was pretty tame <laughs> compared to some of the things I heard in school. But I remember my teacher's answer. Um, and she said, because they haven't found a way to tax it yet. And I always remember that. Now, that was back in 2010, 2011. And I never thought that I would see the day where weed was legal. Never, <laughs> never. But here we are in 2020, almost 2021, where there are states that have fully legalized it. And that's cool, I guess. Um, but I can't help but ask myself, what about the people that were jailed for it? What about the people that served years behind bars and those that are still there for something that is now legal? Um, do we release them? Do we wipe their records clean from those charges? What do we do to, I know we can't pay back that time to them that they lost, but it's just not fair to me 
that we have shops selling it now and people spend years behind bars for it. It's just not fair to me, especially when um, you have states that have fully legalized it, but you still have people that are incarcerated behind something that is not that is now legal. Um, so those are a few questions to ask yourself. How do you feel about that? Um, do you feel like there's anything that we could do to kind of right those wrongs or it's just, is it just a lost cause? So ask yourself that. I hope that you learned something throughout this episode. I know that it may have been a lot, a lot of information to process, but I hope that you learned something that you did not know before listening to this episode. Stay black, stay carefree. You can follow us on Instagram at Carefree and Black Diaries, on Twitter at Carefree B-L-K-P-O-D, and also on Facebook, Carefree and Black Diaries. Stay black, stay carefree, and I will see you guys hopefully soon in the next episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries. Stay safe. I'll see you guys soon. Bye.